The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Welcome back into NFL University. I'm Steven Serta of Arrowhead Pride. NFL University is brought to you by DraftKings. DraftKings Sportsbook is an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app today and use code SBNNFL for a special offer when you sign up. That's code SBNNFL only at the DraftKings Sportsbook. Only eight days away from the NFL draft, and we thought on today's NFL University we were going to get into some draft rumors, some speculation, and we've still got some of that stuff for you guys later in the show. But where we start today's episode, and let me welcome in Kyle Posey of Niners Nation, as well as Justice Mosqueda of Acme Packing Co. Debo Samuel has reportedly requested a trade from the San Francisco 49ers. There's been a lot of rumors flying around over the last week or so, 10 days, uh, that he was unhappy with the organization, that he he wants to get paid in a way that maybe the 49ers aren't interested in paying him. He's also got a little bit of an injury history, but he's coming off an absolutely elite season where he's one of the best playmakers in the NFL. Thoughts on Debo wanting out of San Francisco, uh, teams that should be in the Debo Samuel race, if there is indeed a Debo Samuel race. The team agenda is going wild right now, and they are pushing it through national reporters, and these national reporters are eating it up. Um, I mean, there's, there's, where there's smoke, there's fire, so it makes sense, but... It, it comes down to money. I don't know why we have to pretend it's about anything other than that. We're, we're hearing that, you know, it's about usage and he doesn't want to be a running back. Or he doesn't want these carries. No, he wants to be compensated because he just had a historic season. Like, why wouldn't you be? And I think the biggest issue is Debo wants his money now. And historically, you know, George Kittle, Fred Warner, and just in general, the 49ers wait to extend their players in July, just right before training camp starts. And that's, was never going to happen. And I think Debo doesn't want to wait. And that's where the, st- the stalemates come in. Um, plenty of suitors, you know, and who doesn't want a Debo Samuel? We talk about the draft. Everybody compares, you know, every receiver to Debo Samuel. So I imagine a team wanting a wide receiver would be interested in Debo Samuel. I think so. Ian Rappaport named, you know, the Jets, the Chiefs, the Packers, the Lions. I'd imagine teams like the Colts, you know, the Eagles, some underrated teams that we're not even thinking about would be in the runnings for Debo. So does it get traded? Maybe. I think it's going to come down to whether or not a team gets desperate or whether or not a team offers the 49ers a package where they're like, yeah, we have to take that. There's no way we can't take that. Um, Justice, would you pay Debo top five-ish wide receiver money? Well, 
so it comes down to the usage thing, right? And it sounds like you're not buying it at all. But if if Debo doesn't want to be used like that, I I would say no. But if he wants to be used like that, I mean, it's just the the price is always going to go up, right? So like he's the top five wide receiver now because his contract is done. Who knows if after DK Terry McLaurin AJ Brown, you know, it's it's going to be the same situation, right? So I think someone will like just point blank period. If you want a wide receiver of Debo Samuel Samuel's uh, caliber, you're going to have to pay him. So it's really that kind of a decision. Um, you really don't buy it. The, the, the usage thing. Cause I feel like that's a pretty huge deal, right. In terms of being able to project him moving forward, if he doesn't want to get these carries and I understand, I guess why he wouldn't, you know, four of his last seven seasons have involved injury. Um, he ran super hard, you know, throughout the entire playoff run uh, for the San Francisco 49ers. I understand from his perspective, too, why he would want to get a deal done sooner rather than later for him specifically. Like, what if he gets hurt this next year when he knows he's right. going to get, you know, 60 plus carries like it, not including uh, all the screens that he's going to catch and, and receptions o- over the middle where he's asked to get yak. Right. Like, I get that. It's just. That's his game. So if he wants to turn into something else, like I'm not paying Debo to become someone who is not Debo. I'm paying Debo to be Debo. Well, you had four games receiving over 150 yards. And a lot of that is just slant screen. And he just houses it, which is pretty nuts. But you talk about his usage. I think it's more about him. So, a part of it doesn't matter. Like, there's no doubt it matters. And the wear and tear that he's going to build up as he continues to get these carries. Um, two years ago, 33 to six against the Patriots in a meaningless game. He gets a carry in the fourth quarter when they're up big. He gets hurt and has to miss the next couple of games. That's probably why he doesn't want to be this wide back that people are talking about. So that's where I think that it comes down to the usage where um, in that sense, it does matter. But he has the stats to back it up. And I mean, we, we you can pull like a bunch of clips of him just running a slant or the Lions game in the week one. He runs deep, mosses a guy and then runs 60 yards. So um, it can go a few different ways. But ultimately, I think money and that security that you talk about to protect himself in the future is why it's more about money than anything else. Yeah, Debo deserves to get paid, in my opinion, and he, he's a player who's a former second round pick. So he, he's not making quite as much money as these other guys who who were drafted really high in the first round or something like that. And the way these wide receiver contracts have ballooned this offseason, I, I don't blame him for wanting to get paid. And I, I want to ask you guys. We know what a playmaker he is. We we saw last season what he did, and that was by far, you know, hit his best season since coming into the NFL and, and his least injury riddled season so far. Knowing the wide receiver class and all the evaluation and, and tape and stuff that you guys have watched, like if you're the Jets and it costs the tenth overall pick, would you really rather trade that tenth pick? and pay Debo Samuel a bunch of money over just taking a young wide receiver and hoping that that guy pans out into being a superstar playmaker. That's tricky, man. Just because we talked about the injury history and he's missed 11 games. I think he's 38 out of 49 games that he's played. So history would suggest he's going to miss time, like no matter what, no matter what his usage is. History would also suggest that, well, 
with the 10th overall pick, you're going to have that fifth year option and that matters. You're going to have, you don't have to pay that rookie for another handful of years. You're going to have to pay Debo right away. So like the financials are a big part of this whole situation. If I'm the Jets, I, I'm keeping 10. And on the flip side, if I'm the 49ers and I get like a pick number 10 or a team calling for a top 15 pick for Debo, I'm signing that deal immediately. So it's tricky because Debo, you're not going to get, let's say it's Garrett Wilson, for example, who's a guy who's just run after the catch. I don't want to say they're the same player, but in the same usage would probably be the same. So with that in mind, would you rather have Garrett Wilson for the next four years on a rookie contract or Debo Samuel knowing that he's going to get anywhere between 22 and 26 million that I think that's the better question. And whew, I don't know, man, that's, that's not an easy answer. And they, these are the, these are the things that NFL teams have to decide on. I, I want, I want my money and I want a healthy player. So it, it, it seems like you're talking down on Debo when you say that and you're, and you're kind of minimizing what he did last year. I think in the 49ers case, there's it's a lose-lose situation like they need Debo and Debo probably needs them draft picks are only going to become more valuable the the more the cap rises right um we're about to see a massive jump I I saw it reported pro football talk said that uh Sunday ticket is going to go for like 2.5 billion per year on like Apple TV um the 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 cost controlled contracts cannot be understated in terms of their value. And when you trade for players, you do trade for contracts. It's not just the player. If you can get a Jamison Williams or even like a Chris Olave with that 10th pick, there's some value there, I think, if you think those guys are going to be, you know, any sort of type of playmakers, especially with the way that, you know, Debo's uh, body and and uh, injury history and uh, just the way he's used, right? Um I think I wouldn't offer the 10th if I were the Jets. I mean, think about the Raiders, right? I mean, the Raiders offered 22 in a second. The highest pick that the Chiefs got back for Tyreek Hill was what? It was either 29 or or 30. It was one of the two. 29, yeah. Yeah, so why are you moving 10 for Debo? That doesn't really necessarily make sense to me. Desperation, I imagine. Uh, And – yeah, it seems like the Jets are that team that's a little desperate, but they weren't offering that for Tyreek Hill either, and they were the runners-up to what they got from Miami, and Miami came in with the late first-round pick, and so that's why the Chiefs decided to go there, and Tyreek Hill wanted to go to Miami over the New York Jets. But I, I don't think that that makes sense for the Jets because they're still such a young team and they have so many holes that they have to fill. I, I think Debo would make sense for some of these veteran teams that are ready to win right now. I don't think the chiefs are really going to be in on this, the the way that it's being reported just because everything they've told us this off season is we're ready to commit to the future and, and, and pushing money off and investing in young players because we want to keep this thing with Patrick Mahomes afloat for as long as possible. And the way that we believe we can do that is by not paying highly inflated contracts to veteran players. And it seems like that's what they're investing in this off season. So I'd be shocked if the chiefs did it. I think the Packers make more sense with, you know, 22 and 28 in the first round, because, mm-hmm you might only have a couple more years with Aaron Rodgers, And so go, go get it. You traded away Devonte Adams, but Debo Samuel's younger and he's a really, really good player. So 
go get it and figure it out. I think it makes a lot more sense for Green Bay than it does for Kansas City. I this mean, Green Bay doesn't tricky. have an MBS or a Juju, right? I mean, that's that's the big – or Travis Kelsey, for that matter. Um, 22 is probably going to be right around the range where that first tier of wide receivers is probably gone, right? And they were willing to pay Devontae Adams. You just didn't want to play for them. So it'll be interesting because they can use that type of guy. Like, it's not like they weren't already feeding Devontae Adams screens and stuff like that, right? So, like, if if they want to use Debo as, like, a yak guy, you know, there's plenty of potential for him to be that with, you know, that those big body wide receivers, Alan Lazard and, you know, now uh, Sammy Watkins uh, blocking for him which is, you know, Steven's <laughs> talked about it uh, on this pod before. Sammy Watkins, the blocker. He's in Green Bay now. So, yeah, that, that's what we got uh, looking forward. So I, I do think it makes sense for, like, Debo and Green Bay. It'll just be interesting to see what the compensation is. Because I can't imagine – if you're Green Bay, you can't give equal or more draft capital for Debo than you got in return for Devontae Adams. You just can't. You can't do it. So tricky part about that is if you're the 49ers, knowing that you have this mini rival, I don't want to call it a rival with the Packers, but why would you send Debo to the Packers knowing that's a potential playoff team, knowing that's a potential team that would stand in your way of becoming a Super Bowl champion? So um, they would have to be very careful on who they send Debo to. And they talk about doing their players right. But I mean, a weapon like that, you just can't send him to anybody. So I, I would have a hard time seeing him going to the Packers. Unless, again, they're in a situation where he makes it clear, I'm not going to sign a deal, and the Packers offer you the most, and nobody else is willing to you know come to the same terms. So if they're in a rock and a hard place and their hands are tied, then, then of course it was going to happen. I feel like Aaron's got some power here where he could just be like, listen, I re-signed anyways. I knew you guys were going to trade Devontae. I knew it was going to blow up. This is what I want. Go make it happen. Go go do it because I'm not going to be here forever, and this is the guy that I want to win next season. But I do think, yeah, the 49ers might be like, no, we're, we're just not trading him in conference. That's right. not something that's going to happen. So we'll continue to pay attention to this. We'll see. I feel like I, I, I feel like we – talked me into just him not going anywhere now <laughs> but we'll, we'll see what happens with Debo Samuel uh, a couple other things to get to Baker Mayfield uh, we did have voluntary team workouts begin this week Baker Mayfield of course did not show up for the Browns he's not expected to be in in attendance uh, head coach Kevin Stefanski said it's a fluid situation in Cleveland I don't really know what the Browns are doing. I understand that teams don't want to pay Baker Mayfield. I, I I don't really get maybe it's just hold him till the draft and hope that somebody comes in with like a mid-round pick for Baker Mayfield or something like that. But no one expected Baker Mayfield to show up at these voluntary team workouts. Are they just hoping that a team gets desperate and comes calling? But even if that's true, who's going to do that for Baker Mayfield? Like we've all seen him play we're well aware of who he is. What, like, who would he be an upgrade for? You would just have to es essentially assume that somebody gets hurt and there's like you have no other option, right? Yeah. I, I mean, he was on that podcast and was like, yeah, I guess Seattle is my, uh, my landing spot. And they were like, no, we're signing, <laughs> sure, we're signing Geno fresh off of the DUI. <laughs> have fun. Um, so there's not many teams left. The other thing, too, is it makes it tricky with that fifth year option, right? Um, it's an immediate cap hit 
And there's not going to be that many teams, you know, after the draft and once once these contracts are signed that are going to have that much cap space moving forward. So the pool is really limited, even if, you know, there's a quarterback injury or something like that. I saw that report uh, yesterday on NFL Network that said, you know, they might not be done with him. Like maybe he just he like, let's say Deshaun is suspended at the beginning of the year. Maybe Baker's just the guy who's going to be that bridge quarterback and, and have to play those games. And if not. And Baker holds out, he they don't have to pay him that money, right? In terms of the game checks. So as, as long as he, he wants to hold out, like what is it, the first six weeks of the six six weeks of the year, so he doesn't get the accrued season, well, they end up saving what is that, like a, a third of his contract that they already don't want to pay because it's guaranteed, and if they release him, they have to fully pay it anyway. Like right. it kind of works out, just kind of holding him hostage. And if no one wants to come save Rapunzel, right, then. He's just stuck up there. <laughs> just, just imagine how awkward those practices would be. Oh, no. I'll pay. He would it. be miserable, right? Like, uh, absolutely, he would be the most obnoxious yeah. person at, at so those practices. pouty, so pouty. Yeah, yeah like it. I would have to imagine for the Browns and just like the coaching staff mm-hmm. and the people of the organization, like just to avoid how awkward those practices would be every week. They're just like, we got to get rid of him. I'll pay for it. Yeah. We got to figure it out. Cause I would, I would love to see video of those practices. Cause he would just be pouty like every single day. <laughs> and I mentioned the Panthers as somebody who might be desperate enough to, you know, ship a pick for Baker Mayfield and, and see, uh, I, I wanted to mention this Panthers new offensive coordinator, Ben McAdoo uh, held a press conference earlier this week and he was asked about Sam Darnold and, you know, being the Panthers starter, which they then kind of backtracked a little bit because they were like, we're not guaranteeing Sam's our starter. But if you ask Ben McAdoo, Sam Darnold quote, has some magic left in his game. I don't know if Ben has watched what Sam did last season, but the Panthers are screaming desperation. We'll give you a fourth round pick for Baker Mayfield right now. What, like, what are the Panthers? <laughs> Honestly, to be fair, isn't McAdoo perfect for them based on their um, identity? Because they don't know what they're doing. McAdoo, for no reason, said that Darnold's going to be the starter. We all know that that's not going to be true. I feel like there's a better chance that Darnold isn't on the roster come the dra- after the draft than Darnold being on the roster come training camp. So for him to name him the starter is just so Carolina, but congrats to you, McAdoo, for making it back in the news. Your your uh, your job is accomplished. Sam Darnold, he's making eighteen point nine million dollars in base salary. Guess the next highest base salary in Carolina right now. Just the um, number. Who who would it be? It's Cam. It's Cameron yeah. Irving. I'll tell you that. Whoa, <laughs> spin zone. <laughs> How? <laughs> right. Well, so, so this is my point, right? So Cameron Irving, $4 million base salary is the oh, next baby. highest, which is less than a fourth of what Sam Darnold has. They're kicking all of this money forward. I don't know. This goes to the I don't know what the Carolina Panthers are right now point. They have $31 million in cap space and one pick in the top 100. Um, their cap space is like 50% higher than the next highest team in the league. They kicked everything forward to create this cap space and have nothing to show for it, really. So I, I could see a situation where maybe Sam Darnold, like they, maybe they draft uh, Malik Willis or something like that, and they end up eating some some money and, and trading Sam Darnold away for less than uh, what Baker Mayfield 
might go for or something like that. And they'll eat half of the money and they have the cap space to do it. I mean, we'll see what it's like moving forward. But just because Ben McAdoo accidentally says Sam Darnold is the guy in a press conference doesn't mean that I'm just going to move forward thinking he's going to start 17 games. Yeah, I, I don't get it. I don't understand what the Panthers are doing. Maybe it's because they wanted Deshaun Watson and that didn't work out. And, and now they're like, well, we got money. Um, let's just draft a young quarterback and see if we can get Baker in here. It's just not a good situation. But I am looking forward to Ben McAdoo's press conferences in the upcoming NFL season. Uh, before we take a break, I, I wanted to chat with you guys really quick about and the teams that can improve or, or maybe the teams that have the most to gain or lose like future wise in the upcoming NFL draft where we're just over a week away. And it's, we've already talked about what a weird draft it is prospect wise. And it's also a really weird NFL draft because there's so many teams with multiple first round picks. The jets have two top 10 picks. Giants have two top seven picks. Eagles have two picks, 15 and 18 saints have two picks, 16 and 19 Packers, 22, 28 chiefs, 29 and 30 lions have two in 32. Like, if you know, and I know this is projecting and trying to predict, uh, you know, human decisions in selecting future NFL players, but if you had to pick one of these teams with multiple first round picks, like which team has the most writing on this draft for their near future, at least? Well, it seems like the Lions are probably. I think Dan Campbell has the longest leash. Would that make sense? So I don't think this they still have golf on the roster. So I feel like um, this isn't the most you know dire draft. So I, w- I would rule the lions out. I actually don't think they're in the worst spot. And just as you, um, if you disagree, please tell me, but um, they seem like they're, they're bringing in young talent and they're in a good spot with where their picks are this year um, to keep, you know, just adding good players. And eventually, you know, maybe they're just holding off for Aaron Rodgers to retire so they can take over the division. I don't know what their plan is, but I don't think the Lions are in the, the worst possible spot. So I would rule them out. Uh, Jeff, who do you think is right, Justin? I mean, the Packers got to get a wide receiver one at some point in the next eight days or whatever it is. So there's a lot riding on that. Um, as, as far as teams that can improve just in general, I think the Giants are way up there. Two top seven picks. I think they're one of the candidates to trade down for sure if the situation arised. Um, I think we know that their backfield is going to be completely different next year in terms of both quarterback and running back. I don't think they're going to pay Saquon what Saquon ends up wanting to be paid. I I think the Giants have a lot of potential to just kind of like build the foundation of what this team is going to be like moving forward. And who knows, like maybe they trade back multiple times. Maybe they, maybe they pick four times in the first round, right? Like there's potential for something like that to happen, to have a, you know, a a franchise changing draft for them. So I wouldn't be surprised if we look back and we say, you know, the giants had the best draft of of 2022, you know, four years down the line and and that helped them in their rebuild, but they're kind of in the Lions situation last year where there's zero expectations this year. Like they're very openly saying like our quarterback is not our franchise quarterback our running back can be had at the right price. And he was a former number two pick on a rookie deal. I actually think the Giants are a really interesting team here, just with Brian Dable and, you know, they, they've got a, a lot of expensive veteran contracts, but like that roster should be a little bit better than what we got last year. And we know Joe Judge was a total disaster. So 
actually like the Giants quite a bit. I think the Jets still just have too many overall holes. They're they're still so young. Like they can improve themselves, but I, I don't think they're going to be a team that's going to all of a sudden like you know start competing next season. Especially when you look at the Bills and the Dolphins and the Chiefs and the Packers have glaring holes. But if they can address those, like you just think those teams are good enough that it, it'll work out in the long run. I, I'm curious about the Eagles. I guess just with the multiple picks and they've got some talent on the roster, but their, their secondary was really bad last year. And, and it still seems like they don't have a lot of confident and confidence in Jalen hurts, but if they're going to give him a chance and like build around him, like I think this is a really interesting draft for the Eagles. So I was going to say the Eagles as a team who just has so far to go. And, you know, I don't know where they would go with their two picks. So think about it. They took Devonta Smith last year in the first round the year before they took Jalen Rieger uh, in the first round and the year before they took our Sega white side and people are still mocking them a receiver. So they've a lot of investment in receiver and still have nothing to show for it outside of Smith, you would argue, but um, what are they going to do? Who are they going to select to make you think, Oh, now they're back because their defensive line, like Fletcher Cox probably isn't like, he's not the Fletcher Cox. We remember he's still effective, but outside of that, um, they signed us on Reddick. Darius Slay's still good. I mean, you can name a couple of names like that, but you, there's they, there's a lot to be desired, I guess, when you look at their roster. So I just I don't have a lot of faith in the Eagles' direction. I don't know if there is an actual direction for Philly, and that's where I'd be like, man, I I just I would expect more out of them. The one thing I would say Philly could do would be like, what if they trade up from 18 right and jump themselves at 15? and jump, say, the Houston Texans for, like, Kyle Hamilton, right? You get a safety, which is a massive need for them. They they played probably the most vanilla defense in football last year just because of their safety play. They just didn't have the horses for it. So if you could get a guy like Kyle Hamilton, that changes what you can do on defense. And then at 15, if Chris Olave is there, take him. You know, I, I would think that that – even if you have to spend an extra what like third round pick or whatever to ensure you get those two type of players, I think that would go a real long way for Philadelphia. It'll be interesting. I, I'm ready for the NFL draft. We've been talking about it for months now. I, I'm just ready for draft day to be here and, and see how all this stuff unfolds across the NFL. But we're going to take a quick time out right here. And when we get back, Justice has some Draft takes, speculation, uh, whatever you want to call it. We're going to get into uh, plenty of those coming up next on NFL University. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's insight assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. 
Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Welcome back into NFL University. I'm Steven Serta of Arrowhead Pride, joined as always by Kyle Posey of Niners Nation, as well as Justice Mosqueda of Acme Packing Co., we are only eight days away from the NFL draft. So Justice has spent months just compiling all of his NFL draft takes and he wants an opportunity to get them off. So I'll toss it to you, Justice. Let's hear him. Yeah, so we'll qualify this with like uh little birdies, right? No. Oh. And you 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 guys tell me if these pass the sniff test or not. Um this is a big one. I have heard this three different times and it makes me kind of worried that I've heard it three different times because then it just kind of seems like someone's just trying to blow smoke. What do you think about the new Orleans saints trading up potentially like six, seven for Charles cross the off the left tackle from Mississippi state. So I think this is kind of an interesting spot in the draft. Um, The edge Offensive tackle run is probably the first run we're going to see in this draft class just because of how valuable that position is and how quickly it drops off. Like after Charles Cross, you're talking left tackle prospects. You're looking at like Trevor Penning, and then that might be it for the entire first round, right? Um, Then after that, it's probably going to be cornerback, then probably wide receiver. What do you think about the Saints getting into the mix, jumping up in front of everyone, using that second first round pick? and grabbing their uh, franchise left tackle. They were still in the mix for Teron Armstead until the very end, uh, until Deshaun Watson's decision was made. They weren't able to land either of them. Charles Cross, what do you guys got? I mean, that would that would be very Saints <laughs> to focus in on one player and then use your draft assets to move up for that one player. I mean, we know it's a need. We know that they've invested heavily in their offensive line. Look. Um, Eric McCoy, second-round pick. Andres Pete, former first-round pick. Uh, Cesar Ruiz, first-round pick. Ra- uh, Ryan Ramchek, first-round pick. So, like, their entire offensive line is composed of high draft picks. Charles Cross, pass protector. You know, you want to protect Jameis Winston. I don't know, man. I don't, <laughs> I don't know if I would use those draft assets. But at the same time, as you said, are you going to rely on a small school guy like Penning? Is that your future? Um, like, after you get out of the first round – you have to go down a ways on the draft board or you're just essentially reaching for players. So I understand why they would want cross, but to package, you know, picks to move up when you've done this over and over and it's failed. Um, I don't know that I would go that route. They, it seems like they're just in a tough spot too. So if they make this move, does this say the saints still think that they're in win now mode or, or does it say that's like, where I'm like, like, what are you guys doing, man? Like you don't have a franchise quarterback, right? Jameis now. baby. Or, or, or is it them saying, we know we already made this one pick, but it was to position ourselves. So we knew we could move up and get this guy. Cause we don't like this draft class. So we're just trying to get a cornerstone tackle and, and move on to next year's class. Cause they can't think that they're still like an NFC contender right now i just can't imagine that they truly believe that but maybe they do i mean maybe they look at carolina and atlanta and they're like dude we can make the wild card (laughs) like maybe that's their their thought process but i mean it's you're one of a new head coach uh doesn't seem like their quarterback situation is figured out i don't i don't know um my next little birdie right 
Trayvon Walker. Here, here's the uh, bulky stuff that that makes the Trayvon Walker stuff. Oh, makes baby. Sense, I think. Who? So, the Jacksonville Jaguars selected Trevor Lawrence first overall last year. KP, was that the right selection? Trevor? Yes. Yes. Do you give Bulky any credit for that? Absolutely not. <laughs> okay. Right. So now, if he can draft a guy like Trayvon Walker in a class where everyone says Aiden Hutchinson is the guy, and if he gets that right, right, then that buys him some power with ownership where he could say, hey, look, you do need me, right? And, hey, maybe you don't need to bring in Rick Spielman as an assistant general manager or whatever the heck they tried to uh, hire him as this past offseason. Or when Byron Leftwich turns down the job because he doesn't want to work with you, you could say, well, you actually wanted me, right? Like, I'm the important keystone here. Here's the other thing. Who's Aiden Hutchinson's head coach? Harbs. That's where I was going. Like, is he really that petty to be like, you know what? I don't want Aiden Hutchinson because of who recruited him and who he played with the last few years. I don't want anything to do with hardball. Are you kidding me, man? Do you think Trent Baalke forgets? Trent Absolutely Baalke not. not. <laughs> and mind you, for those who don't know, Trent Baalke was the general manager of the San Francisco 49ers when uh, Jim Harbaugh was the head coach. Massive falling out. I think that plays into this, dude. I really do. Yeah, I, everything that we know about Trent Baalke is that he's a super petty person. So <laughs> I, I think I think that actually that falls in line with the way he thinks. He's not looking at this like, what's the what's the thing that makes my job the most secure? Now, what's the thing that I care about most with my own personal feelings? It's got to be about him. It always has to be case. about him. It's true. It's the politics, baby. Office politics. Hey, um, that's a that's a statement. Can we talk about? Trayvon Walker going that high real quick? Let's is that not it. nuts? Like, think about that, uh, it is nuts. So when the draft season started, he was mocked around the Packers at 28. And I was like, hey, this guy actually like he's probably got more juice as a pass rusher than people realize because he's got bend, he's been playing out of position, all that stuff. To see him jump all the way up to the first overall conversation is kind of crazy to me. I mean, I'm still a lot more comfortable with a guy like uh, Thibodeau or you know Carl or even a Carloftis than him necessarily. I've been I've been watching these edge rushes um over the past week or so. Trevor Walker does not have a plan when he rushes the passer. Um he's a great athlete. It's all pro- his, it's all projection. I I I understand his value and I think at best he's a guy like I'll just use the 49ers for example. They kicked in Arden Key to play in, inside on passing downs and Arden Key just became a monster when he did that. Uh, Trayvon Walker would be 10 times what Arden Key gives you, but you are not drafting a, a pass rusher at number. Think about what we're talking about. We're talking about, okay, we're going to take him and what we're going to do with him. We're going to, we're not going to, we're going to leave him on the outside to play rundowns. And then on passing downs, we have to kick him inside. That way he can just win with his athleticism because think about it. Um, I mean, I don't want to get too technical, but when you have like a pass rushing extraordinaire, he is going to eliminate half of the offensive linemen and just work that side, whether it's, you know, pass rushing moves and, you know, he has athleticism, but that works. But Trayvon, like he doesn't use any of those. Like he doesn't set guys up. Um, most, I would imagine the better offensive tackles in the NFL, when they jump him, he's not going to have any idea what to do. So who, yeah, it seems like he would have a long way to go as far as development goes, which means he's a perfect fit for Trent Baalke. <laughs> 
So I assumed the Trayvon Walker number one overall stuff was just kind of you know, pre-draft smoke screens, uh, see if there's another team that's willing to, to move up and grab him if they're afraid he's really going to go that high or something like that. But after this conversation about Trent Balky, I feel like I should place a bet on him to be the number one overall pick in the draft. I will say the one thing that does worry me is everyone says the same line, right? KP, who's the comparison? Trayvon. Trayvon? Yeah. Um, who's the one everyone says? Who is that? Alden I, Smith. Maybe I haven't seen it. Oh, they baby. say it over <laughs> and over again. Is, it, is that because of Balky too? It's because of Balky. Yeah. So <laughs> so that's the thing that worries me. Uh, he's been like, leaking it for a while now. He's Alden Smith. That's why Do I'm you, worried. Like, is he the guy like Houston really wants or something? And you, you want to make them like trade up to number one. And that's just the guy that you're using to dangle out there. But there, there are some things that tie Balky into Trayvon Walker, which makes Do it. Do you remember hard. Alden Smith in Missouri? coming out uh i remember he was all big 12 on a broken leg as a sophomore he was insane yeah yeah (laughs) like he was his level of athleticism and just like he was a good pass rusher too like it wasn't just all athlete he was nuts man so that is the projection is out of control you you shouldn't be allowed to compare guys to one of one athletes like alden smith chandler jones God's not going to make a second one of those guys. Oh, the all pros? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he's, he's not going to make a second one. We should, we should not do the comps there. Man. This isn't a uh, birdies one, but like everyone I've talked to, I try to figure out like the, at least the top 10, right? Everything starts falling apart at the Seattle Seahawks because everyone's just like, eh, we don't know what they're going to do. They'll probably just go like BPA. Here are the names of the Seattle Seahawks first round picks that they've actually spent since 2012. Bruce Irvin, Jermaine Effetti, Rashad Penny, LJ Collier, Jordan Brooks. I feel like there's real potential for the Seattle Seahawks to just kind of throw a monkey wrench into the whole thing at number nine because they just cannot make a normal first round selection. I, yeah, I, I feel like everybody's been projecting them to go offensive line or, or quarterback. But like Pete and, and the way he thinks, it feels like Seattle's one of those teams we've been chasing forever. Like, they always draft a position where you're like, wait, that, that's not what you need. What, what, what are we doing here? And so like number nine overall, they're just going to ruin everybody's draft board by taking the Kobe Dean and number nine to replace Bobby Wagner. It'd be something um, weird like that. I'll read off the first round picks. So didn't have one in 2021. Jordan Brooks, linebacker, 2020. LJ Collier. Uh, TCU. I believe he was more of like a five tech. Like um, he wasn't he like was, a true edge rusher. Like- a five tech who was like a day undersized too, right? Until the yes. senior bowl. <laughs> yes. Uh, I believe he was 24. Lovely. So that was, was the previous first round pick, 2018. And this is when the like the running backs don't matter was really starting to show its face. Coming out of a lot of Seahawks Twitter, they took Rashad Penny, uh, San Diego State running back, great college running back, uh, has not caught on. And then before that, that they didn't have, or they took, they didn't have a, a first round pick in 2017, and then it took a Jermaine Effetti um, out of Texas A&M, who obviously ran out. So, um, whew, I don't know. Go Seahawks. <laughs> it's going to be something weird, man. What? what okay, let's let's make some projections. What do we think here? Because there's no doubt it's going to be off the wall. There's no doubt it's going to be a position that we. Oh, don't I got know. I got one for you. Um, so go ahead. What do we got? With the ninth pick of the 2022 NFL Draft. The Seattle Seahawks select 
Christian Watson, wide receiver, North Dakota State. <laughs> DK Christian and Tyler Lockett, baby. Take that, Drew Locke. Oh, yeah. man. Um, it's a build, building around Drew Locke. Yeah, that's the plan is just at, give Drew Locke weapons. Give him big big guys to throw to. I think I think Seahawks fans would freak out. if they, I if think a very happens. Seahawks pick would be to take like a position that they, they need, like cornerback, for example. But it'd be like Trip McDuffie, Kyler Gore, like somebody who you would think wouldn't go for another 15, 20 more picks. That feels very Seahawks-y to me. Um, I got... Okay, what was the uh, Jermaine Johnson over under on uh, DraftKings? You said it was nine and a half. Jermaine nine and a half. You want to hit the under on that? He's not going to be there. I wouldn't be surprised if he doesn't make it out of the top five picks. He might be a trade up candidate again. When I'm talking about these runs, right? So like edge rusher, offensive tackle. That's the first one. I think that's why. The Saints have realized, like, hey, if we want a guy like Charles Cross, we want a left tackle, we have to move up. I think it's going to be the same at the edge position. Jermaine Johnson is probably the last guy um, available for, like, these top-tier edge rushers, unless you think Carl Loftus is that type of guy. I personally do. The NFL, for whatever reason, as a consensus, doesn't seem to think that. I could see a team like the Jets, you know, if they're if they're not trading 10 for, for Debo, moving up for Jermaine Johnson, you know, if they go offensive line in the first, uh, with their first selection. So they do I like- don't like him that much. Like, I think he's a second-round pick, but he's going to be super expensive for someone to draft. Solid definitely likes the guys who just, like, hustle, like, play hard, and that, and that is Johnson. But if, if that's the first thing that you can talk about with somebody when you're taking him in the top ten, and not just that, when you're trading up for him, um, you might have some problems. What, like, what is his best trait? What do you think? What are people saying that Jermaine Johnson run best defender? Trait is? It's always run defender, but okay. he's a run defender. He's a, not a big defensive end, and he's a run defender. Like, I don't get it. I don't get it. I, I sincerely do not get him as a top ten pick. But like, he's not. He might not make it out of the top five. I hope. He, I hope he does well. <laughs> that's, the best that, that's crazy that he just wouldn't even be available at 10 like that, that, that a team with two, two top 10 picks and they'd be, they're like well we might have to take him at four otherwise we're gonna have to trade back up to five or six i'm telling you i i really do think it's gonna be like edge 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 tackle edge edge tackle tackle corner corner wide receiver wide receiver wide receiver like there's gonna be runs in this draft and you're gonna know like when the runs start when the runs end pretty clearly um talking about another position uh quarterback i think it's a pretty good bet two quarterbacks go in the first round right now uh malik willis out of liberty and desmond ritter out of cincinnati i think willis's floor is washington i would look at carolina as a team that could potentially trade back and still get him um again they they're top they don't have any top 100 picks other than number six that's important to note I could see them trading back and still taking Willis. I think if he's available there for Washington, they take him. I don't think Washington would trade up for him after what they spent for Carson Wentz. Um, I think Desmond Ritter Carson really interesting. He costs capital, man, and he costs money. I know. I know. I saw. I saw the uh, Washington Commanders uh, Twitter account posted his jersey and it said, "You know, eleven days until the draft," and they use his Oof. number eleven jersey. Um, that probably didn't go over well. 
Desmond Ritter, a couple teams to kind of circle on him, Pittsburgh and Atlanta. It seems like two teams that really like him. Atlanta would have to trade into the back end of the first round, depending on who's available. I think Pittsburgh would be willing to take him at 20. The one guy I don't know about at all, because I think people have kind of given up on the Matt Corral and uh, Sam Howell first round pick type of narrative. The one guy who like people still have in the first round that I can't figure out which teams like actually like him is Kenny Pickett. I don't know if it's Carolina. I don't think it makes sense for Carolina to spend the six overall pick uh, on Kenny Pickett when they don't have any other top 100 picks. But if it's not Carolina, it's hard to point which team would actually spend top draft capital on the guy. I, I think he could be like the surprise follower of the draft, honestly. Who like what's a team that fits what Pickett likes? Um, would it be a team like the Steelers? But it wouldn't be in the first round, right? It'd, it'd be later no. on. So knowing that, and, and again, talk, I think they like other quarterbacks. Like I think Willis is going to be gone, but I think they like Willis more. I know they like Desmond Ritter more. So like, Pickett's draft his draft stock or his draft position right now is odds of DraftKings is nine and a half. No, <laughs> take the over on that. Put money on that. Man. Put my money on that. Done. He just throughout this whole process, Kenny Pickett has always screamed to me like guy that is projecting in the first round, but winds up being like a third round pick. Like because you have so many question marks about whether or not he's going to translate to the NFL. A media creation, essentially, right? Yeah, exactly. Like I, I never actually thought that he might go in the first round. Unless it was the Panthers just get being getting nuts and picking him number six. And that's always the same. It's always the one team, right? And that's what really worries me. Where it's like, why is it even you said it's nine and a half? The Seahawks yep. aren't gonna draft him in the first round. Why is it at nine and a half? Right? So like it's stuff like that that just doesn't make sense to me at all. I do really like Desmond Ritter to the Steelers at twenty. I think that would be Oh, it would be so good. It yeah, would be yeah, so good. Really good landing spot for him. So good. Would I, he be? Would he beat out Mitch? Yes. I don't know if he or, would beat him out in camp. Like from the jump. Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah, he'd beat him out at some point this year. I mean, Mitch isn't gonna play well enough. I don't think to hold down that job for seventeen games. Um, Poor Mitch. Just a couple of guys who seem to be falling down draft boards right now. And this is my last uh, little little birdies note. Traylon Burks, the wide receiver out of Arkansas, it seems like when he's in interviews and people start asking, you know, hey, why were you 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 used as a uh, slot receiver? Why did you have all these manufactured touches, stuff like that? Like, let's ask the guy about his offense. Seems like he doesn't have very good answers out of that, and people are starting to realize, like, oh, that's why you were used in that way. Maybe I don't want to spend a top twenty pick on a guy like you, and that's why when I talk about that wide receiver run, right, it's really. You know, Garrett Wilson, Jamison Williams, Chris Olave at the top. And then who knows who's going to take Burks? I mean, it might be a team like the Carolina Panthers if, you know, Karloftis isn't there or something like that. They brought in Karloftis on a visit stuff. Um, Devontae Wyatt, serious off-field stuff. I didn't realize that at all until uh, he was brought in for a visit with the Green Bay Packers. I started poking around there. He might be a guy who drops out of the first round. We'll, we'll see what happens there. But mm. just go Google it. There's police reports and stuff like that. Uh, check it out it, it's not talked about a lot um i don't think there's any shame in saying like oh i just simply did not know that about the guy i mean i watched this georgia defense all year and i didn't know that about uh Devontae watt and then uh andrew booth 
sounds like he had multiple surgeries to a basically what amounts to a sport hernia injury. He seems to be dropping down draft boards. Uh, I know a lot of people had him as like corner three in this draft probably a couple weeks ago. I don't think he's going to get drafted in, in the first round. It doesn't seem like he can clear some of these medicals. So those are the uh, those are the little birdies. That's that's what the little birdies are telling me. Take it or leave it. Uh, some of them might be wrong. Some might be right. Silly season, baby. So I'm you're sure people me, will let you know when you're wrong. You're telling me NFL teams aren't sold on Traylon Burks just off the fact that he hunts wild boar with his bare hands. <laughs> and Look, I I I'm here for it. I'm rooting for the guy, but it just yeah, it doesn't seem like uh, the interviews are doing him very well. Hmm. That's a bummer. I mean, I feel like you should get something. Like you should you should get some kind of win in the NFL draft if you just hunt 200 pound boars with nothing but a knife <laughs> and just like in like a pants and no shirt is the way that I imagine he does that. So good. Psycho, just like Tarzan. <laughs> yeah. So those were just his little birdies as we get ever closer to the NFL draft. We really appreciate you guys listening to this episode of NFL University. Please make sure you subscribe, rate, and review everything that we have on Apple and Spotify. You can follow KP at KP underscore show on Twitter. You can follow Justice at J-U-M-O-S-Q. I'm Steven Serta. That's where you can find me. We will talk to you guys next week.